You're listening to Church of the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchoftheoaks.com. continue our series that we're really just getting started in because this is the second week uh, in Philippians. So if you got a copy of God's Word, I hope you do. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. Um, we're going to be working from verse 3 all the way down uh, to verse 11. All right, so we're fine in your place in your copy of God's Word. Um, the other day I was uh, walking. I like to go on prayer walks and I just, I don't know if it's like a thing. I just need to be moving to be able to pray. And so I've been walking around downtown a lot and um, just, just praying. And so if, if I happen to walk by you know, somewhere you live, and you see me muttering to myself, like, it's not that weird. Like, I'm actually trying to do something there. And so I was walking down 7th Street um, and, and ended up passing this house that I lived in my sophomore year of college. It's, it's this, uh, it, was, it used to be red and really terrible. It looks like somebody's bought it and fixed it up now, so you think it's better. But we called it the barn. It was this, like, big old, like, ugly red thing with, like, a roof that leaked, and it was, it was pretty awful. Um, but it was good, you know? Like, that's the kind of experience you should have. And so I was walking back. By, I was walking by this house, and when I when I got there, it just I felt like flooded by all the memories that I had in that in that year living in there with these other three guys. You know, it's ever happened to you? Like you, maybe you gone by your childhood home or somewhere, like your elementary school, and like it just triggers memories that you hadn't hadn't thought about in a while. And so I was walking by, and um, I just started thinking about like all the ridiculous stuff that we'd done in there. Like we we used to park cars for Rainbow Games in the back of this house, and. Um, the first time we did it, we packed so many cars in there that there was absolutely no way to get out. And so all these people were like jammed in there and it was like reverse Jenga and that nobody could leave until the cars behind them. And everybody was like furious and it was, we made a lot of money. It was awesome. And then, um, then I remember like you could climb out the windows and get on the roof. And so like all of my conversations with my friends that year just like happened on top of a house. Like, cause if you can get on top of a roof, why would you have a conversation anywhere else? Right. And then I also remember all the ridiculously nasty things because living with three other guys, it's pretty gross. Like, um, we, we had, we tried to come up with like a, a chore schedule. I don't know. Like that didn't work at all, but like it was supposed to be one guy's job each week to take the trash out. And then when it came to this one dude who lived with me came his job, he just didn't want to take the trash out. So he went to Sam's and bought the biggest trash can I've ever seen in my life. Like it's a small dumpster and he got it in the house somehow and parked it in the, in the kitchen and said, that's the trash can. And just like at the end of the week, a whole week's worth of trash would be just like climbing the wall and he'd take it out once a week, just like the chore chart said. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, as so we moved out, and, and uh, me and one of those guys, you know, kept in touch. We're still good friends. But it's, it's interesting. I started thinking about how I haven't laid eyes on two of those guys in almost like 20 years, which is, seems like you should be sad about that. Like, like the day I remember when they moved out, they like rolled their little suitcases out the door. And I was like, all right, man, see you later. And I should have said, see you never. I mean, I, just, I, haven't, I haven't seen these people again. And I feel like I should feel bad about that. And I'm just going to be honest with you because they're not here. I don't. Like... I hadn't even thought about it. I just don't. I mean, like, it seemed, you know, there's this, we had a, you know, had a good run, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But there's, there's something about that that, that is, is, is sad. I mean, there's something about that where, and I think we don't talk about it a lot, where a lot of our relationships um, honestly lack a lot of depth. And then they lack a lot of con- like constancy. They're, they, they, they're, they're relationships of proximity. There's people that maybe you've kind of been around for a while and had some shared experiences or whatever, but you don't like know each other, know each other. 
like the, like the depths of what's going on, like what you're struggling with. Like you, you don't have, that, it's not that kind of relationship. There are people, honestly, like if you think about it, I mean, it's kind of a tough thing to think about, but there's a, probably a lot of people that you know that if they walked out of your life tomorrow, like if they moved out tomorrow, it's not gonna make that big of an impact. And that leaves us longing for something. It leaves us longing for real relationships that have meaning and have significance because that's what we're built for. God made us to be people who have these deep and abiding relationships. And there's, so there's something that we're missing then. If a lot of our relationships are just based on proximity and God's built us for these deep and meaningful relationships, then, then what, what are we missing? I think a lot of us, I mean, we've got just dozens, hundreds of friendships that are honestly just like a shadow of what God's intending for us. I think we feel that a lot, and like the loneliness and the kind of the emptiness of a lot of these relationships. When you really need somebody to lean into, you really need somebody to rely on, you really need somebody to come, like stand beside you and lock arms with you, you don't have it because the only real connection there is proximity. So why, why, why is that? And, and how do we, what do we do about it? How do we find the kind of meaningful relationships that God made us for, that we all long for? What's the secret to real and meaningful relationships? That's one of the things the book of Philippians covers, and Paul really starts to kind of give us an idea of how to do this in, in Philippians 1, 3 through 11. So that's one of the things we're going to be looking for. We're going to pick up some other truths as well as we go through that. So the passage begins like this in verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. See what he's saying? It's like, I'm, he comes out of the gate. He's just introduced himself. We covered that last week, right? We just got through the introduction. He's just introduced himself, just got into the past, like the, the letter, what he's writing. And he's like, I'm so thankful for you. Every time I just remember you, every time my mind like rests on you, like I'm just so thankful for you. He's saying he's praying for them all the time and like, like making these joyful prayers over these people. And he's talking about the reason why is because of this partnership. He says a, a partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Can you, you can like feel Paul's affection here. It's, it's, it's obvious. So why? What's so special about the Philippians? Well, it says that they're, they're partners in the gospel. They're not just acquaintances, right? Like I know lots of people. I'm acquainted with lots of people. I met some people during the first service. Like I've got lots of acquaintances. I've got some people that are maybe a little bit more than acquaintances. We'll call them friends. And like you, maybe you've got some Facebook friends and you've got some Instagram followers, which is interesting that Instagram calls them followers and like makes you feel important. I've got followers, right? I'm an influencer or something. Like that. And so like there's just, that's a lot of our relationships. And so sometimes those are people maybe you had a class with. There's sometimes, you know, some people that you, you know, live in a dorm with. Maybe some people that you've been working with for 20 years at the same job. Like, there are people that are around you. Maybe you grew up together and playing soccer and stuff, and you were always better than them, but it's okay because you're still, you're still cool. Like, it's those type people. Regardless of the length of the duration of your acquaintance, a lot of them are just that. They're just acquaintances. That's not what's going on here. These are not just some people that he, he shared a, a period of time with. He's not writing to people where he's saying, hey, it was really fun when I met you that one time. Have a great summer. That's not, that's not, what he's, that's not those kinds of people. So I've, I've got some friends that, man, we went through some stuff. Like we had seasons like that. We went through some really hard stuff together. But we can, we can reminisce with the best of them. I've got lots of friends I can reminisce about the old days with. But we don't know each other deeply. We're not able to like call, it, call out sin or struggle in each other. We're not able to really back. I'm not, I'm not able to, to pray in informed ways about those people. We just had a great time that one time. 
or that year or that decade or whatever. Like we just knew about each other. So are your friendships, my question is this, are, your, are, are you thinking about friendships that are based solely on proximity? You grew up together, you played some sports together, you worked together, you've been neighbors for a long time. Like I, you got relationships like that. If that's, if that's all we have, if like we, we kind of line it up and that's all we've got are these kind of proximity relationships, we shared a, a period of time in our lives together, if that's all we've got, that's gonna leave us empty and it's gonna leave us longing because God made us for something more than that. If you can't pray for those people in informed and intelligent ways and know what's going on with them and how you can be building them up, then, then there's, there's something to that. Paul can, he can pray for these people in those significant, meaningful ways because he loves them, he loves them deeply. He says the reason why is because they're partners in the gospel. He's writing to people that he helped plant this church with. Like the church at Philippi, like they, they started this thing together. If you were here last week, you can, if you weren't, you can catch up on the podcast or whatever. But like they showed up to town, directed by the Holy Spirit to Philippi, and they got there, and they're just kind of looking around for people to connect with. And went down by a river and met a woman named Lydia. And by the end of the day, Lydia had trusted Christ as her Savior, and her entire family had as well, and all of them had been baptized. Like that's, that's a pretty incredible day. He's writing to people like Lydia. He's writing to people like the slave girl that he spun on his heel and told an evil spirit to get out of this girl and she's set free from her bondage. And like, he's writing to her, like people he knows deeply, knows where they come from, knows their struggle, knows their faith in Jesus. He's writing to people like the jailer, the guy like when, the, when, when God shook the prison doors and the, the prison doors swing open, the guy's gonna take his own life and Paul comes rushing out to stop him and says, wait, 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 we're all here, right? And comforts him and shares the gospel of Jesus with him and this guy and his entire family are, are saved and baptized. He's writing to people that started this thing together. They're more than just acquaintances. There's like real spiritual connection, like, like life on life, deep heart stuff with based in Jesus that's going on between these people. So what does it mean to be a partner in the gospel? So if, if, you're, if, if you're like me, you're longing for these relationships that are based in something significant, more than just proximity, then we've got to figure out how to, how to do this, how to be partners in the gospel with one another. So the first thing that I, I think we can see about partners in the gospel is that they share a faith in Christ. Partners in the gospel, like first and foremost, they share a common faith in Christ. So Paul, Lydia, the jailer, all of them, they all have this, this, this thing that's foundational to who they are. They've trusted Christ to be their savior, be their Lord. They've come to find that they were broken in need of forgiveness. They trusted their life to Christ. And that became the new foundational element of each of these people's lives. And it's the same for us. Like when we become Christians, it's not like we kind of add something on top of the pile of our identity. Like, if you're not a Christian in the room, when, you've come, when you come to Christ, it's not like, okay, I'm, I'm all these things, this is what I'm like, and whatever, but I'm also, I'm gonna throw Christian on top of the pile. Like, that's, that's not the way this is supposed to work. Because what it, what it means to become a Christian is that you find out there's something foundationally broken in your life, that there's a deep longing, a deep need that you can't do anything about. You can't clean yourself up enough to fix it. And in fact, you need to be saved from it. And the problem is your old life, it's who you were in your sinful nature, walking away from God consistently, and you're saying, okay, now I've found hope and forgiveness in the person of Jesus, and I'm gonna leave that old life behind, and instead I'm gonna follow him. He's gonna become the core foundational element of my identity and my life. That's entirely different than saying I'm also going to add this on. And so when you, when you come across somebody else who's also a Christian, who also has this new foundational like, element of their life in the person of Jesus, it resonates. Like this, like, this is who I am. I've been found in Christ. Like, he is my life now. And like, when you meet somebody like that, both with that common shared faith in Jesus, 
Not, not a common like, knowledge of some facts about Jesus, but a common faith in Jesus. It resonates. There's a connection there that's not based on some like peripheral things about your life. Oh, we, all, we, we both like this. We have this little silly thing in common. It's not based on something peripheral like that. It's based on the foundational element of who you are. That carries more weight. So think about this, like in, in our friendships and even our dating relationships, even our marriages sometimes, like we buy this lie that we're looking for someone to build us up. That we're looking for somebody who's gonna encourage us, they're gonna bring out the best in us, they're gonna support us. Like, I need some friends who are more supportive of me, right? Like that's, that's a thing you hear, that's a thing that you even look for. Like, I need some friends who are gonna accept me, get, get acceptance out of that. I need, I, need, I need somebody to date that's, going to, that's just gonna support who I am. I'm, I wanna marry somebody who, who builds me up. That's weird. It just is, like it's just so much pressure to put on somebody else to fill all these needs in your life. Like, I don't know if you're gonna find that. And you don't say it to each other. Like you don't ask a friend, like, hey, you wanna hang out on Thursday? I'm looking for somebody to kind of give me some affirmation, make, make me not feel quite so lonely. You wanna hang out around seven? You can make me feel not lonely? Be great, cool. Or like you're, you're like been dating for a while and you get engaged, you really want a guy to like get down on one knee and he's like, hey girl, you wanna get married? I've been looking for somebody to support me, encourage me, show me the love that I'm due the rest of my life. You in? No, you're not in. Like, you wouldn't say this to somebody, but that's what we were told to look for. We're told to look for people to build us up, encourage us, support us, tell about us. Like, it's, it's so self-centered. And what you're doing is you're looking for somebody to be your savior. And then the other person that you're with, they're doing the same exact thing. So they want you to be their savior, but you want them to be your savior. And then you got this whole thing because only one of you can try to save the other one, right? If you're both drowning, you're like, what are you, who's going to save who? I'm a terrible savior. I'm a terrible substitute for an actual savior. And so if on all our relationships, we're just looking for someone else to take care of us, we're going we're gonna to come up empty. Because we don't need somebody else to take care of our needs. We need a new life. We need our, our, like a core identity change. We need the Savior, not some substitute. So a lot of our relationships end up empty and self-centered and disappointed. It's not supposed to be like that. In Christ, like we, we, our, our relationship no longer have to carry the weight of filling our every need. So when you have, we find these people who are, are partners in the gospel, have this shared faith in Christ, we, like, that relationship no longer has to carry that weight of filling everything for you because you've already been filled in Christ. So instead of looking to each other to take care of each other or whatever, you're looking to the Savior whom you're both running after. And all you've got to do is lock arms with somebody else and say, let's run harder together than we could separately. That's, these, that's what biblical community is. It's having people around you with a shared faith in Christ that you can lock arms with and chase after Jesus with way more vigor than you could do by yourself. And not looking to each other to fulfill each other's needs and desires or whatever, but looking to the author and perfecter of our faith and running hard after him. That's, that's why it's so freeing. That's why these relationships are different. Partners in the gospel aren't like codependent. Partners in the gospel are locked, locked arm chasing after Christ together. So second, partners in the gospel, they, they, we said this, they, they share a faith in Christ, but they also share in the mission of Christ. Partners in the gospel, like they're not just gonna be people who have the shared faith, they're also gonna be actively engaged in the mission of Christ. See, these people that Paul's writing to, they're, they're church planters. 
They're, they're kingdom makers. They're living for the mission of making Christ known because I, I know that because Paul left Philippi. Like he, he did this work, like they started the, the church in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, and then they left. And he left Lydia and the jailer and the girl, like he left them there to do the work of, of like eternity shaking work of going and sharing Christ and making disciples, raising up leaders and binding together as a church to do the work of the Great Commission. And they'd been doing that. They'd been engaged in the same work that Paul himself had been engaged in. So when he calls them partners in the gospel, he's saying, you are literally partnering with me in the mission of the gospel. There's a shared faith. There's a shared mission. There's a bond in that. And for us, it's, 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 it's absolutely not any different. When you pick up the mantle, the mission of Jesus, and you find some other people around you who also want to live their lives not just for themselves, but for the, for the kingdom of God, like you find some people to run hard with like that, you found some people you, can, you have a bond with. There's a, there's a difference there when you get to run alongside each other. Listen, my, my deepest relationships, my deepest relationships are with people that I've, I've labored with for the gospel. Like people I've worked alongside for the sake of, of the gospel for, well, really, regardless of the length of time, it's just that there's a depth to those relationships. Like me and Jessica, my wife, um, we've been married for a long time, but we started leading groups together in our, in our church uh, when we were like 17 years old. I'd only been following Christ for like a year. I had no idea what, she was, what I was doing. She was doing a way better job than I was. And I was just trying, you know, we're trying to invest ourselves. We'd been excited about our faith. We wanted to pour into somebody else. And so they gave us some middle school kids and she had some girls and I had some middle school guys and we just tried to do our best. And so I'm, I'm hanging out with middle school guys and it smelled terrible and I'm just trying to help them open the word and figure it out. And I made them like study second Peter for an entire summer one time and like it probably wasn't the best call, but like they were getting some, I'm just trying, you know, trying to invest. Pro tip, um, I asked, uh, I didn't ask, Jessica walked up to me one time after we'd kind of been hanging out with our groups and doing some ministry stuff and she said, this, this, this is what you always want your girlfriend to say, by the way. She said, hey, do you want to know when I think you're most attractive? And I'm like, right now. No. Um, and she said, no, that's not it. And uh, she said, when, you, when, I, when I get to watch you like investing in those middle school guys, that's, yeah, that's good. I'm like, great, I'm gonna do that the rest of my life then. And you know, that's why I'm still in ministry. That's not. But, um, there's, there's, but it, it resonates. You see that common purpose and that common mission in somebody's life and you're like, that's right. That's the way this is supposed to be. Same foundational faith in Christ. Same mission of Christ. And that's, that's biblical community. Austin and Emily back there. Austin's our worship pastor. He was standing right here. Emily's his wife. She's over there. They're married now. It's very cute. But when we started, I met them, like they were like high school kids and they were just got out of college, started interning with me. We've been doing ministry together for like eight years. We've seen God do some incredible stuff. We've seen God do some beautiful things. Like we saw 16 people come to Christ in the same day one day. That was nuts. Like we've also walked through tragedy together and seen God be good in the worst of times. Like I know them. I don't, I don't just know about them, I, I, but I know them on a deep level. We've been engaged in the mission of Christ together for a long, long time. And then they moved down here. We're going to plant a church together. It's going to be awesome. My buddy Adam, like we, we've known each other almost our entire lives. And we were those proximity friends. Like we hung out, we like did stuff together when we were kids and set stuff on fire and it was fun. And then, but like three years ago, Adam and I decided, hey, why don't, what if we started meeting together once a week? And we just talked over the phone because he lived in Michigan and you can't actually see each other. So like, we started meeting together once a week, just talking on the phone, holding each other accountable with some things, pushing each other spiritually. I'm telling you what, like the bond that Adam and I have now, having been doing that for a while, having been engaged in the mission of Christ together and having this, this talking about our shared faith in Christ, that bond is absolutely different than it was the previous, you know, 
25 years. Do you have people like that? Do you have people that you're laboring with in the gospel? Like if you're a Christian and you have this, this shared foundation in Christ with us, do you also have people that you're actively engaged in the mission with? Because it's one thing to have some Christians around you that you share this faith in Jesus, but until you engage in the mission and do something with it together, it's just not the same thing. See, the body of Christ, like talking about being a part of the body, like it's not supposed to be just a, people, a group of people who gather together once a week and watch church happen. It's supposed to be a group of people who are covenanted together, committed together to be the church, day in, day out, locked arms together, doing the mission of the gospel. I want you to have that. I want you to have a community that you get to lock arms with day in, day out, and say, I know that I'm in it with them. Those are my people. We're working hard for the sake of the gospel together. We're building each other up. We're talking about our faith with each other. We have this shared faith in Christ, but we're also actively doing something with it, sharing in the mission of Christ. These kind of relationships, the kind that Paul's talking about, the kind that Paul had with these folks, they're only possible with partners in the gospel. I want you to get to be a partner in the gospel with some people. So Paul, he's writing to these, his partners in the gospel, and listen to, listen to what he says to them. Listen to the affection in these verses. Verse six, he says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you is gonna bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation in the gospel. And then verse eight, he says, for God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. Do you feel the emotion in there and like the affection, like the confidence in their faith? Like when's the last time somebody spoke to you remotely close to that? Like remotely similar to that. Like I just, I, man, I love you with the, all the affection. Of, like that'd freak you out a little bit, right? Paul does, he's, he's engaged with these people. He knows them and he's passionate about them. There's real affection in this relationship. So why? Like verse six, he says he's confident that God is at work in them. He's confident that God is at work in them. That means that he's seen it, he's been a part of it, and he can honestly say with certainty that God is gonna continue working in them because he knows them. Verse seven, he says he knows they're in it together. He's like, you see, what he's, it's right for me to feel this way, hold you in my heart. We're all partakers of me, of grace. Like whether, whatever he's going through, imprisonment, defense and confirmation of the gospel, he said we're in this thing together. That is way deeper and way more profound than, hey, I just want you to know, I really like you. You're good. You're a good egg. You know what I'm saying? Like that, this is different from saying, I like you. It's nice to be around you. You have a decent personality and don't make me feel awkward versus like, we're in, we're in this together. Like, man, I'm locked arms with you in the mission that is foundational to who I am in my life. I'm in it with you. Verse eight, man, he says he feels this real and true affection for them. He says he has the same affection, actually. What he says is the same affection for them that Christ Jesus has. This little side sermon, okay? We'll just put that sermon over there. We'll just do this one over here for a second. Isn't it really encouraging to you that, um, that the God of the universe has a deep and abiding affection for you? Isn't that good? Like, you can nod. Like, that's cool. You can nod. Like, isn't it good? Like, the, the, the God of the universe loves you deeply. He actually likes you. He is not disappointed in you. He's not angry with you. He has not set you aside or abandoned you. He is for you. The God of the universe and his son, Jesus Christ, has a deep and abiding affection for you. And maybe you just need to be encouraged with that this morning. 
But Paul says, hey, that same, that same affection, that deep abiding affection that Christ has for you, like I shared that. Like that's just good. When we put down roots in community, like when we really plug into a church, we find our people that we're gonna lock arms with, like it does something. There's a shared faith. We're living out our faith together. Like there's a bond, there's a community that's profound. Do you want that? Because I want that. I, I think we're all built for that. And if you lack it, like if, if you don't have those kind of connections, you don't have people that you're sharing faith with and sharing mission with, like if you don't have those people, first, let me, let me, ask, you, let me ask you a couple of questions to help figure out maybe why. So first, are, are you in Christ? That's the first question. That's the same question last week. I'm going to ask the same question probably every week. Are you certain that you're in Christ? Like have you, have you trusted Jesus to be your Savior? Not that you know a lot about him, but have you actually trusted Jesus to be your Savior? Have you reoriented your life like what I was talking about, where he's not something you know about, something you're kind of affiliated with, but he is the core foundational premise of who you are? Do you know Jesus? There's probably some of you in the room who are saying, I, no, I don't. I'm here, I'm trying to figure it out, I'm trying to have some questions answered, and that's awesome, that's perfect. I'm, I, just, I want to applaud you for doing the work of investigating it and figuring out what you believe. But for others of us in the room, if you're saying, yes, I, I think I am, well, the second question is this, like, have you really put down roots with other believers? If you lack these kind of relationships, and you're saying, well, I am in Christ, I got that part done, right? But like, have you really put down roots with other believers? Have you like joined a church? And I don't mean like join where you just like walking out like, hey, I'm here. But have you, have you joined with a church in the mission of the gospel? Man, I, I'm, I'm praying that, I'm praying that, um, I'm praying for our city, but I'm praying specifically for each of you, like that God would lead you to be a part of a church like that. To find a church with a mission that resonates with you, that you want to live your life for, that are actively engaged and you can be a part of it, not just show up and watch it. But one of the reasons we, we do groups and we put so much emphasis on groups at Oaks is because we want you not just to show up in a big room like this and have some people that you're around. We want you to get to meet some people and have those conversations and have some people that you can actually engage in mission with. So that's why we do tribes and huddles. Tribes are our community groups and it's a group of 10 to 15 that get together once a week to enjoy a good conversation together and talk through the word together and then back each other up throughout the week. Huddles are a group of like two or three that meet together. It's more intense. They're reading the Bible together. They're memorizing scripture together. It's, it's really an opportunity for you to be discipled and learn how to disciple somebody else. Without those smaller group settings, all it's going to be is just like, hey, I come to a thing. I don't really know anybody deeply. Nobody really knows me deeply, but I'm, I come. I don't want that for you. I'm asking, have you put down roots with other believers? And third, maybe you have, and maybe you're, maybe you're considered doing that with us or something. I don't know, but like, maybe you've done that. So let me ask you this, like the last one. Are you living for Christ's mission with some other people? Are you actively engaged in the Great Commission? Because we can, we, can, we can say that we, we're, we trust Christ as our Savior. We can have some believers that are around us, and we can just circle up and make a big old cute little huddle about it and not do anything related to the Great Commission. We can completely miss the mission that Jesus left us with of going and making disciples. Like we can completely skip that and just hole up together and say, I've got my community and we're all looking at each other. But listen, unless we're gospel partners, unless we're engaged in the Great Commission together, this isn't gonna happen. That's just a circle of people that like to hang out together. Like I'm saying, God has called us to do something with this, to serve alongside one another for the cause of the kingdom. So are you sure you're in Christ? And if you are, have you put down roots with other believers? And if you have, are you actively engaged in the Great Commission? The one mission that Jesus left us with. Finally, Paul 
brings this part of the passage to a close, gets around to actually sharing what he's praying for these people. He said, I'm praying for you. And he had to talk for a little while about how much he likes them. And then he finally gets around to what he's actually praying. In verse 9, he says this. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What I want to do um, as, as we kind of bring our time to a close, our band's going to come, they're going to lead us in a time of response, but I just thought it would be, thought it would be good for us to pray this. I pray this over each other. Like, I want to, I want to pray this for you. You can, you can take passages like this and you can, you can actually pray them, all right? So that's what I want to do for us. I, just, I want to just take it apart and kind of put it in our own words and, and, and apply this passage of prayer to each other, okay? So if you'll just, if you just bow your head and close your eyes with me just for a second, I, want to, I, just, I, just, I just want to pray verses 9 through 11 over us. And so let's pray together. It says this. Father, first, um, before we pray those verses, first, God, we confess that um, we confess that our greatest need is for you. Our greatest need is for you. Our greatest need is not for someone else. It's not for a friend group. It's not for some people. It's not for a church. Like, God, our greatest need is for you. And without that, like, we have no hope. So my, my prayer for first is for those in the room who aren't Christians yet, that they, that they would find hope and peace in Christ, that you would give them relationships, give them people in their life that they could ask questions of, people that they would trust, and they would find the answers to the questions that they have on their heart, and they would find hope, peace, salvation in you. I also want to pray for the Christians in the room. God, I, I want to pray that you, would, that you would lead us to put down roots with other believers to pick a place, like not just bounce all over the place and like help us to put down roots with a, with a local body of Christ, a local church. And not only that, God, help us to run hard in your mission, in the Great Commission, locked arms with brothers and sisters in Christ that we share a common faith with. And then, Father, as, as Paul prays, we pray for our love for you and each other to abound more and more. God, I pray that you would help us to grow to know you deeply, personally. That you'd help us to grow in all knowledge and all discernment. And that as you give us that discernment, that you would help us to know how to love like you do. To love each other and to love those around us. So that we'll know how to live to, in a way that honors and glorifies you. Where we'll produce that fruit of, of righteousness. We'll start to look like Jesus by doing so, we can make an eternal impact for the name of Christ in our city, in our campus, and around the world. It's the glory and the praise of your name. In your son's name, pray. Amen. So our band's going to lead us in a time of response. Um, I want you to ponder those questions in your own heart as they lead us. So why don't you stand? And uh, here we go.